share with you something, and then want to get to pray for people this morning. And uh, I believe God wants to touch many in the in the in the meeting today. I want to touch you with the, His presence and His power. But I want to share the Word of God first. Once you open your Bible with me in Matthew chapter twenty-four. Matthew chapter twenty-four and verse fourteen. Matthew twenty-four, verse fourteen. I have been very challenged by the Lord in this just this last month or so concerning revisiting teachings on the kingdom of God. And so let's have a look in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14. It said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus has been speaking to his disciples. They've asked them about the end of the age, and they're asking prophetically what will be the signs. And Jesus lists a number of signs uh, of what will be in the world, earthquakes and famines and, and, uh, and wars and rumors of war, many, many different things. But the thing that he highlights is going to happen. And this cannot happen without the involvement of people. So we may consider that we're living in the last days. Certainly when you look around, the world is in turmoil. There's great fear in nations about Ebola, about terrorism, about ISIS, about the rise of, uh, of religious extremism and terrorism across the world. And these things are all happening. They're all taking place. And the more you read and watch those things, the more alarmed you'll feel in your spirit. You'll either feel alarmed or feel angry, but you won't be edified because your focus is on the negative things that are happening rather than on the promises of God. And this is the promise. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all nations for a witness, and then the end will come. The gospel means literally good news. So no matter what's going on around us, friends, you and I have been entrusted with good news. I don't understand Christians being negative and critical and pessimistic and depressed. It means you are under demonic bondage. It means you're not operating out of the kingdom of God. If you were operating out of the kingdom of God, you would be speaking a message which is good news. No matter what's happening around us, no matter what the circumstances, the message Jesus has entrusted with us is good news. It's a message of hope. Our community needs hope. The world needs hope. And you're the people God has entrusted to speak it. If you don't speak up and speak out, then the oppression remains and we fail to fulfill what God called us to do, which is to be messengers of hope. You notice that the gospel we preach as a witness. That word witness means there will be evidence of the reality of this gospel. And I'm going to talk a little bit later about the diluted gospel. Because many Christians have embraced a diluted form of the gospel, and the result is their lives are diluted and their effectiveness is diluted. So we'll get to that shortly. The, the, the word witness means evidence. And what that means is, and you will see this, and this is something I want us to begin to start to get a hold of, it's important that we don't look at our experience and change God's world word to become down to our experience. It's important we look at our experience in the light of God's Word and believe our experience can come up. One of the mistakes many people do is they look at the Word of God through their sexuality and then distort it to suit what they're living. 
we're to look at the Word of God and see what it says about how we're to live our lives. So we need to be people of the Word and the Spirit. Wherever you find the gospel of the kingdom being preached, there will be demonstration, there will be the flow of the power of God. That depends, of course, on the openness of people to receive. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, it says, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. He healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the dead, ministered the power of God to people. There is no place throughout the Bible where the gospel of the kingdom is separated from experiencing the reality of the power and presence of God. The moment you separate the message from the reality of the power and presence of God, you just have information. Now, I know we live in an information age, but God wants you to live out of revelation. Revelation is what opens the door of the supernatural to your life. When did you last hear God? What was God speaking to you about? Last week, he was speaking to the whole church about decluttering our lives, becoming more simple, getting rid of the things which drain energy and becoming more focused in our life. Last Sunday morning, he was speaking about our heart and the things that are growing there and the need to prune the heart. So let's just talk about the kingdom. I found as I've started to look at this again, it's stirred me with a great, incredible excitement. I'm just feeling alive as I start to look into the truth of this word. So let's ask the question first, what is the kingdom of God? Now, we live in a democracy. We've raised in a democracy. So basically, your default thinking is democratic. I'll say it again. Because we're raised in a democracy, our default thinking, what we naturally think is democratic. That means in a, in a democracy, you have opinions and you vote on your opinions. You agree or you disagree. And of course, the opinion of the majority and sometimes a vocal minority is what rule. None of this is like this in the kingdom. A kingdom is, where, is a territory over which a king rules. And so he rules. The word rule is different to leading. When someone leads you, they inspire you to a vision, and you follow because you want to. When a king rules, a person rules, it means they make decisions about what will happen regardless of whether you like it or not. There's a difference between ruling and leading. We want to be led. If I agree, I'll go along with it. If I don't agree, then I'll rebel against it, and I'll run you down behind your back. That's a democracy. Get the idea? Okay, so a kingdom is where a king rules. It's where it's his territory. So everywhere where the king's will is done is his territory. If there's a part of the territory where the uh, will of the king has not been done and the culture of that kingdom is not being expressed, then that part of the kingdom is determined to be in rebellion. Okay, so now let's talk about the kingdom of God. We are called into a kingdom. We're actually called to be a kingdom of priests. I'll, I'll teach something on that in another session because it's very, very important for you to understand the dual role that we have, your responsibilities as a priest and as a king in this kingdom you're called into. So when we got born again, we were born not into a democracy. We were born into a kingdom. In fact, when you were born again, you left one kingdom and you were translated or transferred into another kingdom. 
So the Bible's very clear. There are two kingdoms. There is a kingdom ruled over by the devil, which is a kingdom of darkness, and it takes on his nature and his kind. It's a kingdom of rebellion, of pride, of independence, of fear, torment, lust, anxiety. Every problem you can think of is in that kingdom. We are called and we respond to Christ. God positions us in a new kingdom. The Spirit of God comes into our life. We're born again. We're now part of a new kingdom with a new king, a whole new culture, and we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so we begin to think differently and experience the blessings, power, and reality of that kingdom. Otherwise, we keep slipping back into the other one. So even though God has put you in his kingdom and given you access to all the things of that kingdom, it's only by aligning with him we experience them. In kingdoms in the world, if you rebel, they send some soldiers and they beat you down or string you up or they do something. In God's kingdom, God's kingdom is different because his kingdom is characterized by him being a father, not a master of cruel ruler. And because he's a father, uh, he gives us ability to choose what we will do. What you, you get free will to choose. So in the kingdom of God, you are completely free to choose. That's part of the, the wonderful thing of being delivered out of the kingdom of darkness. Now you have power to choose. Before you were enslaved to sin, now you have power to choose. However, your choices can align with the kingdom of heaven and bring his blessings into you, or you can do your own thing, and then you still live like you were before you got saved. That's why most of the church lives oppressed and down and troubled and lacking every kind of area. Because internally, I just want to do my own thing, and I'll go along with this if I agree with it. There's not the revelation, it's a king and a kingdom, and I acknowledge that and align. One of the greatest revelations I got in my life was just that one, that it's a kingdom and a king, and he's in charge. And if you align, now it's interesting, if you align because he loves you and you can trust him, then you start to receive the benefits. If you decide, well, I think this, I think this, I think this, then the consequences are you may be uh, identified as a citizen of that kingdom, but you're living in this kingdom under bondage. Everywhere I go, I find churches all over the world in the most incredible bondage whole congregations of people, and then multiple individuals of people. I find leaders, and here's the reason why. They just don't acknowledge the kingdom. They just don't acknowledge the kingdom. Jesus' message of the kingdom was accompanied with healing, deliverance, and ministry from the supernatural. So if a church shuts down and stops moving in the supernatural, it is not representing the kingdom of heaven. It is now going progressively into bondage. And I find that everywhere. I am passionate about the Holy Ghost. He's going to renovate the church. He's committed to the church. That means there'll be a lot of shakeups coming. <laughs> but the Bible says, his kingdom is unshakable. How about that? Everything in your life aligned with God's kingdom is unshakable. You can't be shaken if you're aligned with heaven. No matter what comes at you, it can shake you, rattle you, rock you. But thereafter, it's all over. You're still standing because you established in God. Ha, huh, that's good news. That has got to be good news. That's why 
when you got born again, God put the Holy Spirit in you. He put the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead inside you. No wonder you are now empowered to overcome life. But you have to choose to align yourself constantly, daily, through the day. Cooperate with the Holy Ghost. Cooperate with Him. So a kingdom is where the will of God is done, and it is where His power is demonstrated. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus prayed, verse 10, Pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So the two go together. You find someone doing what God wants, the kingdom is coming there. Find someone doing something different to what God is wanting, there's no kingdom of God there, something else has come. Uh, the, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 28, If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out evil spirits, then know that the kingdom has come. So when there's the power of God setting people free, the kingdom has come. If people are in bondage, the kingdom has not come there. There's poverty, sickness, oppression, kingdom of God has not come there. Now, the Holy Spirit is the one who executes the kingdom. In other words, notice what Jesus said. If I cast out demons or overpower evil spirits by the Holy Ghost, this means the kingdom has come. Think about that. The kingdom reality can be here now. What it looks like is any demon is overcome and rejected. Sickness is rejected. Poverty is rejected. Oppression is rejected. This is the reality of the kingdom. If you identify yourself with the kingdom of God, but parts of your life in bondage, it means you haven't let the kingdom be established there yet. There's a part of your territory in rebellion and in bondage that needs to be set free. Why do you continue like that? Well, we're called, and we'll show you just the characteristics of the kingdom in a moment, and we're called to be incredibly free. So let me share with you then uh, some, some simple things about the kingdom of God. I want to share with you three characteristics of the kingdom of God. There's many, but I just want to pick up a certain three of them because uh, they reveal the impact. And the first one, I've just shared the scripture, Matthew 12, 28. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come about, um, uh, among you. The word cast out means to literally overthrow by a superior force and get rid of something. See, that's what it means. The kingdom has come. So Jesus, so here is the first thing then is that wherever God's kingdom is operating, the works of the devil are totally overthrown. A lot of people live afraid of spirits. In fact, some churches won't even talk about them. It's like sticking their head in the sand and pretending there's no such thing as demons affecting people. Well, I go into those churches and there's demons everywhere. And they're having a heyday in people's lives because no one's acknowledging that the reality is when Jesus' kingdom is established in your life, demons cannot remain. Therefore, if you're part of the kingdom of God, you are empowered to step up and make them leave your life and make them stop oppressing you. You don't have to live depressed, anxious, fearful, sorrowful, in self-pity. Jesus has put his spirit in your heart and by alignment with him, you then have authority to make the things go. Every area of your territory that God has given you, you are empowered to bring heaven to earth. And as we get near at the end of time, heaven is coming closer to earth. So number one uh, characteristics then is when the kingdom uh, comes, it overthrows the works of the devil. The devil has to run away. Everywhere you find Jesus went, 
The demons cried out. They knew exactly who he was and they fled. He made them go because he had a stronger power. Secondly, the kingdom of heaven, where the kingdom of heaven is established, there is freedom and liberty. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is that spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Okay, now let's just stop at that. If that meant this, what does that mean? If it meant wherever God's presence is, that there is freedom for every person there, then all of you would be a lot freer than you are today because we had a wonderful worship time and his presence was here. Reality is some of you have come and you're held in the grip of things. So a better, a better rendering of that would be something like this. Wherever the Holy Spirit is in control and rules, then there is complete liberty. So the issue and the struggle globally has been and always will be a struggle for who will rule the lives of people. The conflict right through history is who will rule, whose word will stand. And in this last days, I believe you'll see through the world, the true nature of that conflict will be revealed more and more, and it will end up it will end up being a conflict of religions. It's already starting to become more apparent that's what it's about. But as time goes on, it'll become incredibly apparent that the core conflict of all is what God will you serve, who will have his way in your life. And more and more it'll become very apparent that religions clashing with one another are where the conflict is seen. Any idea? You can see that already emerging around the world, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of the church is just blinded to it, doesn't see it. It's sort of optimistic rather than actually getting faced with biblical truth. See, if we're in the kingdom of God, there is one God represented in Jesus Christ. There is no other name whereby men must be saved. And if you hold to that, you cannot hold or even come into alignment that in any other religion they have access to the God we serve, nor do they have salvation. There is just no salvation because no matter what other religion you go to, they have the bones of their founder somewhere they're buried in the ground. But we don't have that. We have, a, have our founder. He rose from the dead. He rose gloriously from the dead. He's a risen God, and he has power to change life. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I read something. I'm going to tell you about something interesting I, I heard. Someone told me when I was in, in, in Texas uh, that this, they told me about this man. I actually tried to meet him. An amazing, a famous man, most famous man. He knows more people in the world than any other person. He's a bishop, Bishop Lonnie Rex. And so I had a chance to meet him and, and, uh, and be sitting alongside him and talking with him. And uh, Vladimir Putin was his personal bodyguard when he was in Europe. How about that? And uh, he knows the Pope. He's got things the Pope's given him, all kinds of stuff. He went and prayed in the Pope's private chapel at his personal invitation. So quite an amazing person. And he said after Putin got set in as the president of the Russia, he said that uh, he did this. He, said he wanted to restore the, the, Greek ortho the, the Orthodox Church, the Russian Orthodox Church. And then, so they set up a program. And then he told Ronnie Rex, he put him in. Now, of course, he got all the bodyguards around. This is the president of Russia. And this is what he says. I want you, when we have the official opening at Easter, I want you to bring holy fire to light the candles. That's not easy to do, is he? He said, holy fire? What is holy fire? 
And Putin knew about the holy fire. And this guy didn't know about the holy fire. I didn't know about the holy fire either until I found out after I listened to his story. And so he found out that for 2,000 years, once a year, at the beckoning of the Orthodox Archbishop, that fire rises up out of the rock where Jesus was laid and lights candles. And this is the holy fire. I saw the, 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 the video clips of the people jamming there. And every year for 2,000 years, they have gone there and the fire has come up and lit candles. And, of course, we haven't heard of it. You look it up, holyfire.org, you'll see the whole deal there. The, when the Muslims came in and took over, they tried to shut down the practice. And, uh, but what happened, and they, what they do is they substituted copper rods for the wicks and the candles just to try and trick them so they couldn't get them to burn. But the, the copper rods burned as well. <laughs> couldn't be tricked. Every year... Now, as the representatives of the Roman government, the Israeli secret police go in and they do a check of the whole of the area and make sure there's no possibility of any matches, any light of any kind. And then the archbishop goes in and then the fire comes. He comes out carrying the fire. You want to see all these people there. And sometimes, and I watched it in one of the video clips, the, the candles just light up spontaneously. That's, that's not an ordinary fire. Because I watched. Now, you know if you have a candle and it's a light, and you have a big bushy beard, and you hold it under your bushy beard, you're going to be in trouble. You will turn into a holy Roman candle. <laughs> but I watched, and these people are doing like this, and nothing igniting. It is not a normal fire. See, and it comes, supposedly, from the very place where the body of Jesus was resurrected. A holy fire. A holy fire. See, what makes us different is we have the Holy Ghost. You've got to love him and learn to yield to him and get in love with him and learn to flow with him. And that's how the kingdom advances. The kingdom advances wherever the Holy Spirit has given room to move. So it says it brings liberty. So liberty, wherever you let the Holy Ghost be in charge, you'll get free. So if you're uptight and fearful and you let the Holy Ghost get in charge, then your fear will go and your peace will return. See, this is what the Bible tells us. Liberty. Now, if there's liberty, liberties, it means literally like this. It means you're not a slave to be told where to go by something. Slaves are just told where to go. So some people, their fear tells them where to go. Their lust tells them where to go. Their anxiety tells them where to go. Their sickness tells them where to go. But when you're free of that, that's when you're a son. When you're a son, you have the freedom of the house. Slaves are told what to do. Sons are part of the house. So it says, so when we let the Spirit be Lord over our lives, then there is liberty. Now that liberty should show up first on your face. First, on your face. Secondly, in how you live your life. Thirdly, it should show up when we come to church. So when I come into a meeting, I come to just give myself in the Lord. And we'll talk about the priesthood that you're called to, how to exercise that priesthood. But, but for many, their feelings and their soulish things mean they're just uptight. Can't even hardly clap. These clapping's really... Not very hard. You sort of bang your hands together and there's a noise. It's really quite easy. Jumping is not very hard either. You sort of put your feet together and just jump. It's actually relatively quite easy. 
Singing isn't that hard. Even if you've got a bad voice, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of other people and turn the music up and it doesn't really matter whether your voice is good or not, really. Ah, you can sing out, you know. You've just got to choose. Ah, you can sing out. See, but it's all on the inside whether you let the liberty don't be conformed to this community. Don't be conformed to get around all heavy and silent and shut down. Let the joy come out. Let there be some expression of life. Oh, hallelujah. Say amen. Glory to God. Holy Ghost, help us. Okay, and here's the third one that brings transformed lives. Romans 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, not external things, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the kingdom is not external. It's inside you. So what God wants to release inside you when the Holy Spirit is in charge, three things are released. One, righteousness. You are calm inside. You know you're accepted and are able to walk into the presence of God freely. You're right before God. So you're not down with condemnation. I am right because of what Jesus did. If I had a bad day, it doesn't make any difference. I'm still right because of what Jesus did. Righteousness, peace. The Bible said, let the peace of God rule your heart. So anytime you start to lose your peace, The kingdom of God is departing. Something else is arriving. It's really not hard to work that one out, is it? You lose your peace, stop. In Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of God rule your heart. Rule. The word means to blow the whistle like the umpire in the game. So you've all been out in the court, and then you're all running around, push the ball around. And next thing, someone goes, and they whistle. You've got to stop. He said, wait a minute, we've got a red card bill because he broke the rules. Going to put him off. He broke the rules. He's silent. We're going to have a scrum. We're going to have a free kick. And when the whistle blows, you know something is about to happen, probably not too good. If you're playing in the team and your, your side messes up, the referee blows the whistle. And it's not good when the, when the other team is pushing on your line and the referee blows the whistle and it's someone else who's going to get the free kick. It's a losing game at that point. Now, the Bible says, let the peace of God rule your hearts. In other words, any time you lose your peace, stop. The whistle just got blown. Why did I lose my peace? Where did my thoughts go? What got into my heart? It certainly wasn't the kingdom of God, and the Holy Spirit is no longer Lord. I need to realign myself by repenting or changing what I'm thinking or addressing the issue so peace returns. Alignment with the Holy Spirit, peace. Peace, you won't have to keep popping those pills. Because you can't sleep because you're tormented. Peace. Peace is what everyone's looking for. It comes inside us. From the Holy Ghost, it's a free gift. No matter what's going on around outside, you can still retain peace. That's what the fight is. The fight is not to deal with outside. It's to maintain peace and confidence that God is in control in the midst of the turmoil. Uh, one of the bishops that we were away with, he was, he's been involved very extensively in doing uh, charity work overseas. So he had this truck and he's driving all this stuff over the border, one country to another, and uh, he got arrested. He and the driver got arrested, the truck was taken in and pounded, the goods were all stolen, and so they're thrown into jail. And he's got no phone, phone's taken away, got no way of letting So his wife, no one knew where he was for a whole month. He's just sitting in a jail in a foreign country for a month. And there's no end in sight. 
See, some of these countries don't have courts like we have. You just sit there, you're done. And, and of course, if no one knows you're there, and they didn't know he was there because he didn't tell anyone. He just sneaked across the border with the truck of goods. It was a whole pile of things to help poor people, food and uh, you know, all those kind of things. And they got arrested, and because of the nature of the government there, thrown in jail. So he's, he's there in jail, and he's got his whole life ahead of him in the jail with no one knowing where he is. His wife didn't know where he was. No one knew where he was. He's just there with the driver. <laughs> That's kind of stressful, would you think? <laughs> would you be stressed by that? He just prayed. And then one day, he woke up after he'd been there a month, he woke up, and of course, they'd taken everything off him when he got in. He woke up one day, he looked in his pocket, he found something in there, looked in, there's a brand new $100 US bill. Now, where did that come from? It just turned up in his pocket. So he held it up at the bars, and he said to the guy, the jailer, he said, if I give you this, I'd like you to release me and my driver and my truck so we can drive away. Held it up. And a brilliant, nice new $100 US note to someone from one of these uh, overseas countries. Africa was very attractive. It's like a fortune. So very soon, the note changed hands, and he was driving away with his driver in the truck back to normality again. See, because he stayed in a place of peace and confidence that God could bring a solution. Now, that's a long time to wait for the solution. Some of you have waited a long time. And so... You're probably stressing out. But don't. Come back to peace. It's in God's hands. I know the thoughts I have for you. Thoughts are good, not evil, to give you a hope and a future. How about that? They're right. So, peace, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh, it's one within you. I can't believe. You know, we had that move in the, in the 90s. And, you know, a lot of the church was upset because there was laughter in the church. How far have we moved from the kingdom when people start laughing and falling over laughing, having a wonderful time with God, and someone's pointing the fingers and wrong. Should be tears and serious in church, no laughter. How not? What's this total nonsense? Jesus was anointed with joy. It came from the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost gives you joy. If you look at your face in the mirror and there's no hint of a smile, something is wrong. Why don't you start praising the Lord and rejoicing? Choose to rejoice. But I've got nothing to rejoice about. Oh, you're living out of your feelings. Oh, okay. But, but you don't understand how bad my situation. Oh, you're living out of your situation then. You're not under the Lordship of the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, you wouldn't be living like that. You'd be rejoicing because God has not changed. You know, the sun's still shining, even though there's some clouds there, you know. See, so it brings transformed lives. Uh, holy, when the kingdom comes, it brings changed lives. We need the reality and presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay then, so we're called to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, which is good news. It's a message of hope. Everyone needs to hear it. But what's happened is it's been diluted down a little. So I'm going to give you some other versions of the gospel and see if you have one of them which is your favorite. Okay, then we'll finish with the gospel. All right then. So a diluted gospel means that it's been watered down. Anyone who's had something watered down realizes it's not much of the original left. Just a little hint of it there. We like the full strength. Eh? So we don't want to be watered down gospel. Okay, so the diluted gospel. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4, Paul wrote this and he said, My speech and teaching was not in the persuasive words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Romans 59, he says, Make the Gentiles obedient through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Holy Ghost. I have fully preached the gospel. 
So he associates the fully, fully preaching the gospel with the power of God changing lives. Okay, so what's the deluded one looks like? Let me give you three or four versions of it. You might have one which is your favorite. Here's one, the historical gospel. So some people preach the historical gospel. That means simply, well, we believe the Bible tells us God did mighty miracles, but he doesn't do them today. There's whole groups of people believe that. They get very angry when you try to say otherwise. Okay? Or another version of it is this. Now, this is the one because you say, that's not me. Here's the other version of the historical gospel. When I ask you to share your testimony, you tell me something that happened 10 years ago and not something that happened this week. You're living out of a historical gospel, out of a past testimony or someone else's testimony. How easy it is to let our experience with God slip until now we're living out of what we once did rather than living out of constantly what God is doing. Here's another one. It's, the next one's the future gospel. Perhaps you are not a historical gospel person. You're a future gospel person. Well, future gospel goes something like this. Well, God forgives sin and God does miracles and he heals the sick and he delivers one day. One day he'll do it. So what we need to do is pray for that one day to come. I don't know when it'll come, but we should have more prayer meetings for that day to come. I think I've been in prayer meetings like that for about 30 or 40 years, waiting for that day to come. How many found it didn't come? See, something wrong with it. It's coupled with people preaching, well, you know, here's the gospel, let's get you saved, and then you go to heaven one day. And what it does is it totally takes away emphasis on mission and now. Faith is now. Now faith is. In eternity, the provision is there now. The moment you start putting everything off into the future one day, what happens is you lose faith. You end up just hoping things will be different, and in fact, actually, you're not in faith at all. So next one's the social gospel, which is very good. We go out and we meet the needs of people, and we help them, and, and deal with hunger and poverty and injustice. And the core part of this, this is kingdom living. It's actually about serving people, ministering to people, helping people, and that's the, the true gospel should do that. But the social gospel removes the power of the Holy Ghost to set people free and change their lives. You're just basically helping them out rather than helping them up because the key ingredient left out is the power of God to change their circumstances and their life. And then there's others who have the motivational gospel. Man, some people are into this, and it's actually quite subtle. The motivational gospel, you can do this. You can be great. Man, all you need to do is work on your self-esteem, and you can be all that you want to be. You know, and the books are full of it. And here's what the problem is. It sounds really good, and there's a lot of practical stuff in it. However, this is where the problem is. And, of course, people make a lot of money from it selling off things and how you can improve and how you can do this, 10 steps to this, 5 steps to success, here's the problem with it. It leaves out the cross and the power of God. We're not called to improve our old life, we're called to be transformed into the image of Christ. And what will be missing in all of that is the cross. So mostly those motivational gospel people are all about you being, it's a very positive message, it's very, very attractive, and I got, I'm, I'm all in favor of that. However, if it leaves out the need to come to the cross, deal with the issues of your life, trust in the resurrection power of God, then it leaves you empty. 
And basically, people then become very proud, very self-centered. It's all about me, how I can get rich, how I can use the things of God. I'll prosper if I do this, do this, and do this, and do this, and I'll prosper. And so what happens is people get self-absorbed rather than giving, serving, and bringing the power of God to people. It's a very, very subtle one. There's another one I figured out too, and that's the mystical gospel. That's a wonderful one. I quite like it, actually, because you escape away. And, and it's, it's about the message of the mystical. It's about personal experiences with God and with angels and into heaven. What's missing is this, is engagement in serving and giving and building and reaching people for Christ. So again, you notice all of them have got something good in them. The problem that's missing is that it doesn't come down to bring the kingdom here and now to people's lives. And we need to make a decision. We're going to search the word of God. We're going to begin to embrace the gospel of the kingdom and ask God to lift our experience higher. So here it is. What is God? Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7 and 8. Jesus began to preach the kingdom of God, healing the sick, casting out demons, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Did that command ever leave the church? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Oh, I feel challenged. My son, of course, ahead of me. He's raised someone from the dead already. I was reading about a church uh, in America. They've raised so many people from the dead. It's become part of their ministry now. Talked about Dave Hogan. They raised two to 300 people from the dead. The resurrection power of Christ. You say, well, how come that doesn't happen here? Because the prevailing culture is one of unbelief and negativity rather than faith in what God has to say. So we need to shift and we need to change and embrace what the Word of God says and begin to let our lives shift. Here's the core of it. There is a king who has all authority and power. That king is seated in heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. His kingdom is in the process of coming into this earth. It has come in the past in the person of Christ. It will come again when he returns. And right now, the kingdom of heaven is invading the earth right now. Jesus came to redeem us from sin, came to heal the brokenhearted, came to deliver people from demons. He came to set people free from oppression, to open their eyes, to heal their bodies, and to deliver them out of poverty. This is this king that we have. There is power in the name of that king. And that kingdom is available here and now. If you will just repent and believe, if you'll turn from accepting these other things and believe that God is who he says he is, he is king. He is in charge. He has all authority. He can intervene in your life to change you. He calls you to serve him. He calls every one of us not just to enter his kingdom. He calls us to serve him, to serve him as priests and kings and worshipers, but to serve him by being fruitful and advancing his kingdom in every territory that we are. So wherever you are, you have a territory to advance the gospel. I will share with you more on that at another time. But that's, this is what this is about. And God is willing to empower you with his Holy Spirit so you can be fruitful and advance his kingdom. This world is in darkness, but there is a king and a kingdom who have overcome it, and he invites you to partner with him in changing the world around. What an amazing invitation. Let's just close our eyes. There may be someone here who's never given your life to Jesus, never given your life to Jesus Christ. You're living in the kingdom of darkness that means you can't see where you're going or what you're doing. When we come into the kingdom of heaven, God begins to show us who we are and what we're called to be and do. Identity and purpose.
You know, there's one step. It's a choice. It's a step from where you are into the kingdom of God and then into a whole new realm of living your life differently. It's the step of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and putting your life in His hands. I'm sure there's someone here today ready to make that decision. You're tired of living in darkness, tired of living without God, tired of living with old struggles. You say, today, I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want to open my life to Him. I want a new beginning. I want to be taken into the kingdom of God and to live under His leadership. Instead of being under the power of people, under the power of sin, under the power of negative emotions, under the power of circumstances, I want to live under the shadow of the Almighty God. That would just take one decision today and then begin to work it out as you walk with God daily. I wonder if anyone's ready to make that decision today to receive Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand right now so I can see you? I'd love to pray with you and bless you and see God's presence touch your life. Is there anyone here today? Anyone here today ready to make that decision? I'd love to pray for you. God wants to minister to you and touch your life today. Is there anyone? There are others here today. Just keep our eyes closed a moment. I wonder if God challenged you today about changes in your life. Perhaps you live with a democratic mindset and realize with that mindset, I remain constantly out of sorts with God. It's time for me to yield and surrender. If God spoke to you about that today, why don't you raise your hand right now? God bless. God bless. God bless. Any others today where you know God has spoken to you about change? Just raise your hand right now. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless. There's great things ahead for you. God never leaves us where we are. He always puts new things in our lives. Praise the Lord. I want to pray for a few people right now. And then we're going to have an opportunity just to minister to people as we finish the service. Kara, why don't you just stand up? Just come, just stand up. Just come. Just lift your hands up to the Lord. Father, just touch you right now. God says there's massive change coming in your life. As you exit this year and into the coming year, God says you're going to put roots down more firmly and you're going to begin to start to engage in seeing people touched by the life that you bring. You've got a capacity to bring joy and life to be. You love people, but what's really kept holding you back, it's been like a chain wrapped around your leg, is feeling condemned about failures and about circumstances about life. God wants to loose that from you right now. Father, touch, touch. Touch, Lord, with your mighty power. Come on it right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So this girl over here, can I pray for you? The one over here, just on the right. That's right. Just, just come around here. Let me just pray with you. Your life has been in turmoil. It's been like a boat on a sea that's been in a storm. And God wants you to know that he is with you to help you. He loves you. He's, he wants to touch your life very, very powerfully. You've had people around you trying to control you. They've been trying to tell you what to do and stop you doing what you had in your heart to do, which God put there. And God is saying it's time to rise up, break free of the threats and fear of people, and to begin to fulfill fully what God has called you to do. You're called to harvest people, harvest souls. You've just got this love for people. And God wants to touch you today. He wants you to know that in these days ahead, you will reach people with the love, the joy, the peace, the, the life of God. People will be attracted to you, drawn to you. It's like I see you and you're in a place of influence. There's many, many people around you. People you have opportunity to influence. And the Lord is bringing you to a place of great boldness to speak to them. 
great boldness. Days of timidity are over. Days of increase are upon you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we declare a new day, a new beginning, a new start in Jesus' mighty name. Touch your Lord. Let your presence. Here it is, the power of God just touching your life. Touch, 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 touch your Lord. Touch, touch. I see the power of God's all over you. Praise the Lord. Matthew, would you stand up? God wants to touch you. A new season where God's putting strength into your life, boldness into your life. And you've started to see some measure of fruit. The Lord tells you that fruit is going to grow. You'll see fruit in your own home. You'll see fruit in your business, fruit in the ministry to reach out to those in prison. The Lord says you're putting a new authority around your life, new boldness around your life. Don't live in the limitations of last year. Begin to expect and believe God to do new things. Reach out to Him. His anointing's coming on you. Touch, touch, touch Holy Spirit. Power of God on Him right now. Touch Him, Lord. That's right. Just hold Him so He doesn't fall over completely. Praise the Lord. I believe there's many others that you're right at that place in your life where you're saying, God, I want to present myself to serve you. I want to present myself to be fruitful. Why don't you come up here right now, lift your hands to the Lord. We're going to pray and believe God's Spirit to touch your lives. Uh, The Lord showed me too while that's happening. There's someone here and you have a pain in your lower back at the left part of your lower back. It's kind of around the hip area. Who is that person? I want to pray for you to get healed today. Just while others are coming up, who's that person that had that hip? There it is there. Okay, just come, stand forward now. Those of you just believing God for a change, for a break, breakthrough. You've got a hip problem too, have you? Lower back. Okay, just come and stand here. Peter, just come. Thank you, Lord. All right, then. Church, just keep coming, keep coming. Those who need to come. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you that your power is here to set free. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command your spine to straighten. I command your hips to come into order. I speak right now to this infirmity. I command you in Jesus' name, spirit of infirmity, loose the mighty name of Jesus. Release him, release him, release him, release him. Father, let your power just flow mightily right now. Thank you, Fully healing, fully healing. Jesus, Jesus. Just begin to move it around, see what happens. How long have you been in this back problem? 15 years, what happened? Born with it, okay. Right then. And you're in pain all the time? You're in pain now. Okay, let's believe God to just do something to heal you. With God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we speak back to the trauma of birth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we break the soul tie to that trauma. I break the spirit of trauma and shock off you. Father, I ask you to remove out of a body every trace of that shock, every trace of that difficult birth. I ask, Lord, you remove out of every cell in the body, out of the bones, out of the skeletal structure. Lord, remove every trace of that trauma now. And I command the spirit of infirmity, go in Jesus' name. Release it right now in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Just let it down. Just stay there. Just leave the anointing on you. And then the moment I want you to help her up, and then I'd like you to move around. Just check your back. Okay, church. Let's all stand. Just finish with a song. And I uh, want to thank you. I want to thank you for your prayers and your connection, your love for the church, love for us. Let's just believe God for some miracles to happen to people who have come up. I'd like to have people who are in leadership in the church. Please come up and pray, minister. That's right. Come, come, come. 
There's a number of people here. That's right. Come, come. Just come and lay hands on people and uh, minister to them. Praise the Lord. David, why don't you come down? Come down. Kate, come on. Just pray for me. There we go. All right then. Okay, let's have a look. How are we getting on?